Caravaggio, Wagner, Rodal, Salvador Dali, Kevin Spacey. What do these people all have in common? They're great artists. <laughs> Misunderstood geniuses. They're people who've made mistakes, deserve to people get... People who are very loving. Forgiving. People who maybe, you know, just had a couple of bad thoughts in their brain that went too far. <laughs> who amongst us? Today we're talking about the art of the artist. How do you separate the art from the artist? Um, I'm going to try and say art correctly instead of saying art. Um, art. Uh, that's what we're talking about today. This is an actual fucking episode. No freewheeling mm-hmm. this time. Um, we've done some reading. We all have hot takes to talk about. Um, and we're here I've, to actually I've deliver. Up to, I've written up to five sentences in my notes app. Oh, very good. Yeah, I shouted some things out. You know what? Very I'm good. wine. Yeah. Um, so I might put some like soft jazz in the in the background, you know. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, um, I, you, imagine us. We're in a a large um, cavernous studio. Um, we have a mid-century coffee table in front of us. Um, I'm drinking a martini. Um, Matt is drinking a dry rye whiskey. Helen's drinking some sort of, I don't know, a shandy or something. Wicked. Um, <laughs> and we're all smoking. <laughs> we're all smoking. Um, we're Shame all in, smoking. We're all in uh, black suits with uh, black ties and yes. very jazzy. Um, but I've got the like, Andy Warhol hair in yes. the black suit and black tie. Yeah. This is the. And this is. We're what's the what's the thing they do in jazz where they freewheel? Scat. We're scatting. <laughs> We're scatting, but with our thoughts. Yeah. This <laughs> is the so yeah. If you see like the like crusty improvising, like the, is that what you meant? <laughs> no, it's a it's a special jazz term where you know where they make it up on scatting. the spot. Yeah, yeah improvising. improvising. Yeah. Okay, but it also could be called like they don't call it improvising in jazz. That's Improvising is absolutely a jazz word. Yeah. No. no As the Casement's no. uh, jazz correspondence, I can tell you it is. Yeah. We, no one ever elected you that. I, well, I've, actually I've watched La La Land. Fair enough. No. Okay. Jesus. <laughs> um, what do you guys say? So, like, if you. Like this topic is always seems so stupid. Like I never want to kind of weigh into yeah. it because it just like seems so obvious. If I was so listening obvious. to this podcast, I would have turned it off. Yeah, for sure, I would have definitely yeah. done it because I'm just like, Ugh, okay, like we've already like, we've already had this conversation. Yeah, like we have. Well, this I think it's important for us because because like obviously we're artists, um, and <laughs> we, we need to set we we need to set the groundwork for the inevitable scandal to be able to say to to our listeners and go well, actually, I can in good conscience continue to yeah. listen to the greatest Irish yeah. podcast because I could separate the the, the fantastic the amazing scandal. art from the from, yeah from the the drug scandal or the the, 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 the supremacist yeah all Helen all Helen the piss um, the piss yeah. or eating anchovies in the bus uh, yeah. <laughs> that's that we should yeah we got we are cons- we are like Teflon after that if if anybody is still listening to us after they heard that Helen committed that sorry, I love the idea war crime. That, I love the idea that Helen's the one who's going to get us cancelled and not Glenn. Uh, I know. 
People describe Glenn as the Pierce Morgan of the show. That but yeah, it'll it. be it'll be my social indiscretions that, that will, like, is just, an like, abs- just like school. Anybody who says that, <laughs> anybody who said that to Helen, uh, I just want you to know I'm following you. Physically. <laughs> <laughs> Not digitally, physically. I, I I know where you go to work. Um, I I like that. I the idea that like I'm the cancelable one. Like I mean, I first off, I'm mentally ill. Um, everybody yeah, who comes me, for me, very mentally healthy. Yeah, everybody's very mentally healthy. Matt is really the only one who isn't on any medication. Like, so if you come for yeah. me, it's it's ableism. First mm. off, it's ableism. Homophobia, of course, and True. I am um, I'm a bit Italian, so it's racism, racism. Yeah, and you're from Tala, um, so it's classism. Oh, and classism, yeah, of course. I'm a working class, uh, working class man, salt of the earth, uh, voice yeah. of the people, the proletariat, sing through me. Um, so we're talking today about we're, we're going to try not to slog along this, but basically one of the reasons why Good I start. wanted to talk about this, and I was trying to like pitch this to um, the crew, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, was uh, I don't want to say gang because it sounds like we watch too much Sunny in Philadelphia, um, but sunny, like Sunny in Philadelphia, Sunny. That's what the that's what fans call it. They call it Sunny. Um, so. Yeah, I kind of was just, there was another, like, J.K. Rowling fuck up. And I was, you know, she was, like, trending in my fucking, you know, feed again. And I was like, what the fuck has she said now? And the whole idea of, like, the Hogwarts 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 legacy. Um, (laughs) What happened to you? I don't yeah, know. Because right. like, I thought it was just like I, I thought it was like called something else there, and I was just like, "Is it the school actually called Hogwarts?" Yeah, um, yeah, it is. Uh, yeah. So I was just about like Hogwarts. Before before you move on, do you, did you guys know that? Like, so I had just assumed that the houses and that whole thing was like a like a fantasy wizard wizarding school thing. And I was talking to an English friend of mine recently and like he was like he didn't even go to like a, a private school or anything. He was like, Oh yeah, well, you get put into houses in school and your house has a name and they have a crest and all this. It's just like a British thing. Ew. I feel I feel like especially for Americans, like so much of what they thought was Hogwarts specific shit was actually just like no, that's yeah, just, just being British. British yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Most uh, like uh, I think Harry Potter, um, when it comes down to it, is all about the power of being middle class, um, and what it can, what it can illuminate for you. Um, uh, yeah. So basically, people are people. Uh, a lot of a lot of people are genuinely upset that this new piece of media is coming out, and they are encouraging a boycott. And kind of like raised, uh, you know, the idea of like the validity and effectiveness of boycotts. Um, Ireland as a country has engaged in lots of boycotts over the years. Lots of famous ones that have been incredibly effective. Um, And kind of what kind of makes people morally culpable when consuming uh, like, you know, productions of art or productions of media. Um, It's it seems there's a lot of different like discussions and a lot of different arguments going on around this. One of the arguments I think I heard, and I don't know if I heard this from the right person, but 
uh, it, meaning I don't know if they had like a very common position that a lot of people share. But I've seen um, one person saying that it wasn't transphobic if you were continuing to read like Harry Potter novels. But if you were to buy the game, that would be considered like kind of, I don't know, kind of like offensive or, you know, in an endorsement of like of uh, transphobia. I mean, I think that there's two conversations at play and I'm not, I don't, I, I'll, I'll elaborate further on my opinion on both of them. I'm not trying, like, I don't necessarily think they're both like valid or whatever, but there's two conversations at play when you talk about the art and the artist. And one of them is like a sort of like um, ideological cultural critique. And then the other one is like an argument about finances and like financing the person, the person who created it. No one, I think mm. it is dumb as fuck to say it's offensive to buy a game or it's transphobic to buy a game. But I think you could, I amn't personally, but you could make the argument that it gives a transphobic person money and that that's bad. So like, but I don't think, I don't know how you could make an argument that buying the game is somehow offensive, like to whomst, like as in, I don't know what that means. Like it's Yeah, like or that you've like, you've let people down somehow or that you've like... Mm caused more harm in the world or something like which yeah like i yeah i think that that distinction between the financial thing or like an actual boycott like a boycott is a boycott can be effective and can be can be something that's worth engaging in if it's organized and if it's like with a target in mind yeah. if it's like something that has some sort of goal in at the end of it and like no platforming for example which is slightly different like no platforming someone does actually work quite remarkably well. Like even, even like the most extreme recent example is Donald Trump not being on like major social media platforms. Mm -hmm. And um, I was going to say Donald Trump's not an artist, but like his tweets would, oh. would, would suggest otherwise. But like Absolutely. him not being on social media platforms, he's like, has really hurt him politically and in the polls. And like people are, he's so, he's, he's not completely irrelevant, but He's looking like he's not even the front runner for the candidacy for the Republican Party. Mm. And like, mm -hmm. that is powerful. But that, I think that's, again, a separate conversation altogether again. Yeah. We can get into like, as sounds as like our actual feelings on, on these things more. But I think it's important to make that distinction. I think mm. as, as soon as like lots of, like as soon as like a piece of art or production starts to like, so like, first of all, I think it's, I think basically what's the topic is basically outrage as a production piece. So, so mm. like kind of like the media production of outrage is what's on the slab at the moment. The outrage is that like JK Rowling hasn't produced any art that anybody was willing to engage in. Like all the kind of like the like heinous, like that, the, the, the Galbraith one, which was like the murder mystery, yeah. which was like, like, super transphobic like obviously people weren't going to be buying that like it wasn't a popular piece of of text like people were reading it because it was a jk rowling book but like it wasn't a good book um so it didn't it didn't have really any hope of kind of like you know doing her any like fantastic like good um so therefore it wasn't really an element of contention but um, lots of I think I feel like there's like lots of people online who really really like Harry Potter um, uh, and they really wanted to they, it was very tempting to engage in this kind of like new piece of medium which which seemed really like you know now you can be in Harry Potter and blah 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 like 
it seems strange to me because like obviously a book is so singular. There's like one this very this this mm. apart from like apart from editors and stuff like that and like media uh, like you know people who are like on the PR side of things it's like essentially just one person sitting down writing it um but you know there's lots of lots of like there's an army of people behind this piece of medium so really is it really about kind of like making somebody who's already like she could spend every piece of money all of the money in the world tomorrow like every single day She's not going to lose any money. She's always going to be incredibly yeah. rich. She's always going to be really powerful. So, like, what yeah. are you take? What are you taking away from her? Like, what? Yeah. Like, what is I the? Mean, what is the? Yeah, that's another thing. I think that like the whole idea of a boycott. It's like you have to consider whether it's going to be effective. And it's like J.K. Rowling is like one of the richest people in the world. Like, it does. She won't care whether you buy her book or not. I think like the decision to buy the book or the game comes down to like how it makes you feel. Um, but yeah. I don't think that then it's about like in any way uh, sort of chastising or critiquing other people for it. And I do think when people like I see people often see like friends of mine who I respect, but like say that um, like listening to or reading Harry Potter is transphobic. And I'm like, I'm trans yeah. and I like I like listen to the same episode of Harry Potter every single night to go to sleep. And I have done for the past like 10 to 12 years. No, maybe 10 you to 15 what? years. I listen. Yeah, I listen to. Um, oh, it's actually between two. So chapter, so it's the third book, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, either chapter three, the night bus, or more commonly chapter four, the leaky cauldron. I listen to them every wow. single night to sleep. Um, and it, it hasn't made me transphobic. I've actually become trans. We could argue yeah. it trans to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the idea that like you are going to, like I hate J.K. Rowling uh, as much as anyone else does. And I think she's a moron. Um, but her books were largely written, you know, for children, for children and consumed yeah. by children and I consume them as a child and so now they're like very uh, comforting to me. I don't know yeah. why that would be hard for people to understand and I think that like attaching some abstract like moral link between it like that being a transphobic act I'm just like yeah. are you what what world are you living in? Explain your Yeah reality it's completely like I think what's yeah I mean it's completely ludicrous that your consumption habits would somehow construct your character, right? That you can base your judgment on a person's values and their principles, or just your judgment on that person in general, based on like what they choose to like read or listen to or buy. Like that's so unserious as, as a way to like interact with other people around you. Um, but what's way more problematic is listening to Harry Potter just because it's very bad. Yeah, I, I will judge Helen for her. Well, that's, that's one of the things that sends her to sleep, I would I'm, imagine. I'm going to sleep, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah I'm literally sleeping. Um, I was See, that's the thing I, I wanted to say as well, that, like the basing this discussion, like we're using Harry Potter as a jumping off point is is like, it's funny to begin with because cause people are so demented about Harry Potter. Yeah. Like mm. more so than anything, more like more so than anything I can think of, more so than the most controversial works of literature like in the mm. world more so than like the Beatles like more so than anything people are so crazy about Harry Potter that like I wonder is it even like is it is it indicative of any wider trend that this shit that people talk about when it comes to Harry Potter whether it's like defending reading it or whether it's saying that you were like a horrible cretin and no better than a Nazi for like reading Harry Potter which is obviously ridiculous as well like I feel like Harry Potter it belongs to a certain space um, on the internet, which an awful lot of like this is me being incredibly just like so generalized or whatever. It's like where a lot of people lived online, 
um, and discovered their identity. Like it's very kind of like Tumblrized. Yeah. A lot of people discovered their like, sexuality and their uh, their gender, like in these spaces where that type of like culture permeated everything. The whole kind of idea of fanfic and like kind of like Twilight. Uh, like that's another thing. Twilight mm. isn't getting fucking cancelled, even though there's like real fucking strong hyper religious um, elements of that. Um, like I'd say, Stephanie Meyer's definitely a turf as well because she's like a Mormon. It's just that she just shuts up. Yeah, <laughs> she's yeah. just not stupid like J.K. Rowling. Yeah, yeah like she Rowling. always has been. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she kind yeah. of feel like no one cares. Yeah, yeah. Or like you know, Anne. Ro- like there's lots of like pieces of cultural text that like are. If you care to look into them in any way, shape, or form, like they're written or produced by monsters. But there's this whole idea, like T.S. Eliot has this, uh, that he said, like, art is, is like, it's the extinction of the personality. So, like, really, it's like when somebody, somebody can be absolutely, like, disgusting, um, like, vile, and, like, just, like, absolutely bereft of any positive qualities. But, if somebody's passion for art is so insanely ferocious and passionate, it almost burns away all of their, like it, they're basically, they basically cease to be a, like a pro- producer of art and they start being kind of like, sounds kind of poncy, but like kind of like a conduit. So you can just enjoy the piece because they're, they're essentially not there. Whereas like, obviously there's like other arguments for like, say like every Woody, Woody Allen movie is exactly the same fucking movie. Like he is, like his personality is like in every single echelon of uh, of like text, um, or you know like uh, mise en scène or whatever. So like I don't know. Like I kind of like if I'm coming from a point of like I don't know what do you call a post structuralist? The whole idea of like the the author is dead. Like I feel like once somebody produces something, our understanding of it is so insanely per- subjective that like even uh, like very oppressive upsetting people can still still don't have that much control over their text once they let it out into the world like it's essentially like stops becoming theirs and that's become very obvious with something like JK Rowling um, who I think they probably I don't know what other like universe has been so consumed by fanfic but I think JK Rowling's is, is definitely like and Harry Potter is definitely up there um like it's the ex- it's like the extreme example of people uh making a text their own and this latest example in this game is is just seems to be an extension of that so i don't really see any difference between that and fanfic other than she's going to be receiving a check at the end of it and the check is not going to make that much difference to her life or her bank balance yeah. like I mean, she's still super rich it's not going to change anything I mean, I think I'm kind of going to count to you, Glenn, because I think the, the point that the author is dead, which is like this this kind of uh, art critique theory that um, because art is subjective and because when you look at a piece of art, you you can like experience from it whatever you want. That means that how the author felt when they made the art or the artist is actually irrelevant to your con- consumption of it. And I think that that's clearly true. And I think that that's influenced like all production since that idea came out. Um, but I actually don't think it's a really, I think it's like a poncy, as you said, way to talk about this issue because this issue isn't really about like art critique or criticism. It's about consumption. And I think it's about like yeah. 
how we judge each other and how we moralize each other about our consumption. And that's actually what I was thinking about more when I was thinking about this, because and I, I was I think it was interesting, Matt, that you brought this up earlier. You said judgment, like, how would I judge other people for X, Y, Z? And I talked about it as well. And I was thinking about that's how, all it is, like, really, when you get down to yeah. like these people talk about this shit. It's just them judging other people. Yeah, it is. And like, I think that like a lot of actual liberal moralizing is about setting up rules yeah. in order to judge who is and isn't like following them. We talk about that a lot. And it's not about actually having a morality. It's not about like actually thinking like, what do I think is right or wrong mm-hmm. in the situation? And it's having about performing and etiquette. to understand where people come. Yeah, it's about performing etiquette and it's about deeming people as moral or immoral. And it's about like judgment, which when you think about it, it's like so Protestant. It's like so puritanical. Like I have this <laughs> yeah. like French friend who's kind of a wanker in like that French way but he all like we always have like philosophical discussions and then he'll be like why are you always talking about deserving and judgment why are you you cannot escape your wasp roots and I'm like fuck off I never think of myself that way but he he's like that's not what the French are like but I thought it was interesting I hadn't I did talk I do talk a lot about deserving do I deserve xyz have I done enough to be xyz and it is like a fucking Catholic Protestant Christian shit in there Um, and I saw a tweet like this week that was like oh so many uh, people saw PC language as a set of a set of guidelines. It was Sean's tweet, was it? Was it Sean's tweet? Was it like so many PC? So many people saw like PC as a set of guidelines rather than ethics. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I yeah. That, sorry, like, my internet went weird there. But yeah, it was like people saw PC as like a set of rules rather than a set of values and principles. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like so true. And you can see it here. And what, because when I try and think about like, I've thought about separating the artist for the artist, like a lot over my whole, my like uh, own process of thinking and of how I dis- uh, judge things in my head. Um, because I used to be like, have a much more lib- like liberal feminist perspective. And then I became like much more socialist and blah, blah, blah. And um, like, I... I, I now I just realize that I actually don't have a moral framework for it. I don't think that it needs to be a moral issue. And how I feel about it is that like there are lots of art, there there is lots of art that I don't consume because I don't like the person who made it. But the mm. only reason I don't consume it is because it like makes me uncomfortable and unhappy to consume it. I don't enjoy consuming it because I just like yeah. think about it. and it's all to do with like women. So it's definitely things that like touch me quite like deeply like XXX Tentacion. Like I as soon as I read about what he did to his girlfriend, I was like, I'm never listening to that album again, even though I really love the album. I don't watch like I'm not going to watch um, Roman Polanski stuff like I'm not you know stuff like that yeah. and it's just because like I won't enjoy the movie but there is other stuff like fucking JK Rowling uh, that I do like enjoy the things and I, it's actually just to do with like was, my feelings when I'm consuming yeah. it I don't have a morality about it I think that raises the question then if you say if I um, if you came over to my apartment and I was just you walked in and I was just absolutely going ham to XXX Tentacion and I was loving it <laughs> and I was rapping all the lyrics like would you have any feelings about that whatsoever like other than obviously you would want it to be turned off then because you're in the room but like about me listening to it would you would you think uh, would you think about me in any way the fact that I have I've had a different response to knowing it, the things I know about him than than you had yeah, like I think my initial response, if I'm being honest, would be uh, like I was talking to one of my friends the other day and he was like, I'm the same Texas Tentashi. And I was like, cool, I won't bring up like what um, Kitchen Tools he's threatened to rape his girlfriend with. And he was like, yeah, let's not talk about this. Um, but then I just like moved like moved on. Like, I do think my initial reaction would be like uh, to be like, um, yeah, I think my initial response would be a, a, a sort of judgmental one and a sort of like, 
I don't know. But then I think I would like, I think, I, I don't think that's right. Like, I don't think that's, or again, I just think I, like the older I get, the more I think like humans are actually driven by emotion as so much more than we are by rationality. And we all think that we're like behaving rationally, but we're not most of the time. And I'm always trying to make myself behave more rationally, but I don't know how useful that is. I do think it's useful because it's the only way I can believe that I'm doing the right thing. But again, after everything I just said, I don't know, I'm in a very, I'm in a, I'm in a weird mood at the moment where I'm like, what am I even doing? But I do, yeah, I do think I try and, I don't think there's, I don't think it's particularly legitimate of me to like, um, to judge you for that. And I do think that I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't be like, oh, well, I'm going to leaving or we're not friends. But I think my instant reaction would be like, well, I don't do that. You know what I mean? I mean, and I then think it's normal it to and judge people on their different responses to other to, to things than you would have, right? Like like you judge people on everything. Um the the idea is that mm-hmm. like is there's a difference between you being like, oh that's a bit weird. Like I didn't think Matt would would be into that. Like maybe he thinks about things slightly different to me. And then being like, Matt, you are literally like a misogynistic piece of shit. Like you mm-hmm. you have basically raped the same women that he did and all this shit, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, because I think ultimately, and this, like this, the the kind of boring answer to the question, like, can you separate the art from the artist, is that if someone wants to make a decision that they don't want to be complicit or just to engage with someone or something that like they kind of get the ick from because of these reasons that we're talking about, then that's obviously fucking fair enough. It's the moralizing and the turning it into rules mm. that is is just complete bullshit. That being said. Like I go back and forth on this all the time because I mean, you talk about the mm. author is dead and in the case of J.K. Rowling, like it would maybe be great if the author was dead, but um, <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and separating the art from the artist in that way, which you could make the argument that that is like a profoundly un-Marxist stance to take because, yeah, because nothing is like, nothing comes from nowhere, right? Like you have to understand that, that every, every piece of art, every piece of art or every like, spoon or tin of Heinz beans or whatever is the product of the labor and stuff that's been put into it. Um, yeah. There's me going super, super tanky on it, but like the, it's, I think it's pretty anti-Marxist to think that the social aspect of the thing being created and the human being inside of that thing, you can somehow ignore all of that. And that just imagine that this thing has come out, sprouted out of nowhere. While that might be true that like you can't, um, separate the art from the artist and I, I don't think you can or I don't think it's I don't think you would even want to right because like the context of what of where something co- came from is interesting and is like a big part of, of, of where that came from mm. but even if you can't separate the art from the artist that's not the same thing as saying you shouldn't consume art from bad people like if you get mm. something from something that's bad in some way that's fine like you don't need to agree with anything with everything that the artist ever did to still get something from that piece of art and to enjoy it. Um, in fact, the very fact of them being shitty can sometimes like contribute to the, to, to the yeah, art. Yeah, sure. Know? Yeah. Like, like we were talking yeah. about like Bukowski the last time. It was like we were kind of making fun of him, but Ken and I also silently admitted that like we quite enjoyed him as well. And like he's an example of someone that like him being this kind of shitty slob who would just go around like being shitty to people is the interesting thing about reading that. Um, and like the, the idea that I would just like read and consume art from people that are exactly like me is obviously fucking ludicrous. Yeah, like it is interesting because the whole Marxist idea of like the base and the superstructure is like, you know, the things that keep like our society in place, like our ec- the economic structure in place are 
like culture is a part of that and like art and like what we produce is a big part of that and like obviously I do believe that but this is the thing is that like you forget that like you always think of yourself as the viewer like mm. and so like I think that like like people need to critically engage with art like I think that critical like critical like critical thinking should be like fucking taught in schools like people should be able to critique media especially like the fourth estate um, yeah. and like that's obviously essential and so and they should be able to critique art and I think that like I would be concerned about people consuming stuff that I think has like, you know, is going to negatively impact. But people do that every single day. Like I fucking live in a society that I don't agree with the morals of because like we live in like, you know, capitalism to like just put it really broadly. So like obviously people are consuming stuff all the time every day where I'm like, you are being taught morals that I don't agree with and stuff like that. Yeah. And, like, so I, I and I but I think that like, I guess for me, I'm like, well, I have like a, a way that I view the world that is like I have a critical a way to critique the world so I don't really yeah. think that I'm going to be influenced by what I'm but maybe I will be um, so yeah like then it does get really messy where you're just but, like how yeah like how like it's, how people consume things and how they critique things is like so important it's hard as well for people to it seems very kind of like the economy like you know like people like and again like we can talk about like how ironic this is that it's coming from this show but like the whole idea that the, basically the left like seeded like all power and authority about like politics and ec economics and like materialist concerns and just like like hold up in kind of like cultural studies and just like yeah essentially just became like obsessed with culture and like you know um you know picking apart Disney movies because that's what people are watching like people aren't talking about Tarkovsky in the same way that they're talking about a JK Row a JK Rowling movie and stuff like that or you know even people who are doing like a film and media class like uh I know specifically that I know somebody who's involved in that world and uh I know that there's like there's uh, people they're experiencing a lot of pushback in terms of like the stuff that people are expected to witness and watch and uh, film is often incredibly uncomfortable, especially good film can be quite uncomfortable. And um, if you're talking about like the history of film, you're having to engage in an awful lot of racism. Like, I mean, I think most film courses within the, the first uh, month or something like will probably cover something like D.W. Griffith or like, you know, racist filmmakers from the start or like racist film tropes. Um, and then you'll kind of like move your way forward through to like kind of, you know, Tarkovsky and like, I don't know, Rainer Fassbender or something like that. Like all of these people are like have varying degrees, like kind of like have done terrible things and have had terrible opinions and have treated people on the sets um, terribly um, and haven't been good workplace practitioners and I think fucking didn't Tarkovsky inadvertently kill nearly the entire yeah fucking like just like insane um, levels of like outrage that could actually be garnered from it um, but you're expected to watch them you're expected to kind of like you know to because there's a part of the story and people trying to kind of buffer themselves from that due to trauma or whatever that's absolutely fine you don't have to engage you can dis disengage if you like and just enjoy film that you like and watch fucking I don't know, like like children's media essentially made for adults. Um but you're not going to experience the kind well, of 
the kind of lengthy yeah. bra- like I mean I'm just saying this is why like I mean, Steven Walt of the Disney Universe is like the is so, worst of them all so, well, so even exactly, that doesn't but, work if you're going like, exactly, like, like you can only consume children's media like but this is because they've everybody's been given a cheat sheet where basically you, you just like look through them and it's like this person as far as we're aware as far as we're aware is a good person this person is as far as we're aware a bad person or as far as we're aware, something bad took place in this set. As far as we're aware, nothing took nothing bad took place in this. And then you have this thing where Disney is being congratulated for doing something like Encanto because they finally let a marketplace dictate, like, oh, we can have a Central Central American uh, aesthetic here. Like people who are from Central America will love that. Who are living in America or are living in the West? Like this is the type of thing. This, or like. Or, the, or like when they great. started doing like the Mulan shit, again everybody was like crying, being just like, "Oh my god, Disney is like looking at us for the first time ever. We're being like <laughs> represented." And I'm just like, "Do you really like? Is that what we've been waiting for?" Like I remember hearing on uh, one of the Avatar movies. No, sorry, what was it? The Avengers movies. Do you know where they were just like basically loads of new superheroes that nobody cared about? Yeah. I think they're called the Immortals or something. Were they? Oh, I don't know. They were called the, the, one the Eternals. In it. The Eternals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Barry Keoghan's in it, and there's an Asian girl. There's a. Uh, they're all beautiful. They're all really good looking, like uh, Kel Priest. But like one of them, one of the characters in it is superhero, and he has a husband in it. And in the scene, the husband kisses the other guy, and then they say, like, you know, take care of saving the world or whatever. And then when they were, like, writing that up, the guy who was talking in the interviews was just like, yeah, everybody on set was crying. And I was just like, (laughs) you're doing a Disney movie, okay? So, like, okay, first and foremost, like, okay, you're essentially choosing to see Disney as, like, has, like, a historical, just, like, not like a giant beast just like like tearing up and homogenizing media culture and you're waiting for them to allow you in like that is what you're yeah. like it's not like it's it's not in any way like emancipatory or yeah. revolution and, and nothing you don't have to have a piece of media that's like oh uh like turning to the camera wink wink like and like you know spoon feeding you kind of like revolutionary propaganda but like the idea that you like no but don't, cry, don't pretend shit is revolutionary when it's yeah not. exactly like, it's, it's yeah. like playing pretend yeah. like and that's like it's so hard to like if it's like every single I, I don't know if it's just like it pricks me the wrong way because I'm a, I, like because I'm gay but it's just like every time there's just like a gay moment in cinema and everybody's just like well done Disney thank you so much well done and then you're just like as soon as they're going into the Middle East or going into like China or whatever like they're clipping those scenes out that's why there's no other interaction with those characters they're so easily clipped out like they don't give a fuck about any like I mean Disney is inherently racist and inherently conservative. They've given to conservative um, uh, political bodies. Like, why are you waiting for them to kind of give you, you know, to, to, it's just, it's like basically people haven't grown up. Like they have, it's like an entire generation who have arrested development. And they, I think in part, that is due to our unwillingness to engage with any media that makes us uncomfortable because that's kind of like a part of, graduating into a new like sphere of of um media text like growing up it's like you know do it's you like think it's, that's true do you think that people don't engage with media they find uncomfortable yeah i do 
I don't engage what, what, with do I don't I don't engage with certain things that would would like would not quote unquote trigger me. But I, I could I could I could definitely think of like there's like two different topics that I would not want to sit down and watch like a like a, a movie that was extensively about those topics. Like I would but not. You weren't you weren't talking about yourself there. Like you weren't talking about yourself because you don't like Disney. You you just talked so much about how you don't like Disney. So like let's not pretend that you were talking about yourself. And like people have always ignored. People have always chosen. You know said oh no I don't like horrors or I'm squeamish or blah 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 blah. Uh, or I, I'm not the type of person who can handle looking at X Y Z. But your argument there is one that we've all heard many times, which is that that people now are snowflakey and that they don't engage with stuff that more so than in the past people won't engage with things they don't like. Do you really think that's true? I don't think that people. I don't. I don't think that people are snowflakes. For I think that the people are, are limiting. Essentially, we have so much media now that people can happily just um, stick within one small cul-de-sac of media very happily and live their entire life on that uh, uh, in that cul-de-sac or in that fandom, quote unquote happily without any engagement in media text that you would have had to engage with when there was less choice or when there was less of uh, less of uh, infrastructure which would allow people to like you would accidentally watch just watch stuff from different perspectives that you wouldn't have watched in the 90s than you would today okay it's, just, it's just the progression of the it's just the progression of the culture industry getting more and more um ubiquitous and, like, and just uh, and just growing up i don't i, I don't think it is necessarily getting more specific it's just that like this is like my most like one of my most well i was gonna say my most this is a um almost conservative opinion of mine but i guess it's also like a left-wing opinion in that i think it's true that people are increasingly just consuming spoon-fed media and like people aren't seeking out as in, like, as the algorithm is dictating, to, as in, like, um, this is what you like, this is what you'll get. Yeah, like, the amount of people who just, like, I don't know, I don't know, like, a big thing for me was, you remember the early lockdown, and all anyone was watching was Tiger King. Well, like, at the same time, you, we have, like, every, like, film that's ever existed, like, at our fingertips, and we could watch whatever the fuck we wanted. And I was fucking watching Tiger King, uh, whatever, like, but, like, that, homo- that culture is so... I don't. I don't know if it's if if it's correct to say it's like so specific. It is in a way, but it's also homogenized. Like the specific seems to suggest that things are like niche, which I don't. I don't think is necessarily true either. I think it is true that people will not challenge themselves as much these days. I think that's definitely true. But like, do you think it's more homogenized than in the past? Uh, where like, yeah. if you like Elvis fangirls, Beatles fangirls, people who people, there's always been people, there's always been fandoms. They just didn't exist online. I obviously will agree that like tech and the online world allows people to be incredibly insular and to shut off things they don't like. And I, I, I'm envisioning like in like the 70s or whatever, people just had to like watch the news. And so you had to take in like that sort of information. But like, let's not pretend as if like, sorry, watching BBC or RT is going to revolutionize people and is going to introduce them to this whole new way of thought like that's just that's still Mm. a very homogenized way of thinking and way of seeing the world but yeah obviously agree that tech makes people insular but i think that the argument that people now are i don't i don't i just don't believe you i don't i don't know what evidence you have to show me to that that's true okay here's a bit of of evidence I'm, i'm constantly bringing this up okay channel four was genuinely and generally um a force for artistic good in the 90s coming up 
I would stay awake as a young, very young child and watch movies that were absolutely inappropriate for me to watch because Channel 4 was the only late night programming show which wouldn't have like just darts or snooker or something on it. They would do art house films. So by just like by accident, you would end up watching like French cinema because there's literally nothing else on. So it would expose you through a kind of very like, I mean, even that sounds so fucking disgusting. A try like even just like like Channel 4 was very kind of like kitchen sink drama. Like they had like lots of like those types of those types of programs on or like these very kind of like serious discussions on it, you'd be dis, you'd, you'd just be more exposed to stuff that you would not. I certainly wouldn't have chosen to watch and it was just because I think there's it's, literally um, nothing else on TV and Channel 4 did it so insanely well like they took it really they took their kind of like their public remit really fucking seriously and kind of like I, I remember watching short films I didn't even know there was such things as short films like when I was like 12 or 13 like there was like like they would have like at the uh, at the end of like the night like from like say like 12 to 2 they would have just like small movies that were like only like five minutes long. Like I didn't even understand that you could watch something like that. Like that to me was yeah. very, was very um, influential. And like you realize you're watching something that wasn't just like kind of like kind of like a general kind of like schlock. Like it was just like something that was just like, OK, we can try and like give you something because it's like late in the era. So there's not as many people watching. So we can take a little bit more of a chance with you. And like you could but, like maybe so watch it, a different type of cinema. Here's the thing about that. So I've thought about this a lot in, in, in a general sense um, about. Here's what basically I think happened, which is that back in the in the heyday of like TV and like terrestrial TV um, and not just TV, but like when radio was huge and uh yeah, like disc jockeys were huge. Um, when magazines were huge, the the idea of curation was really, really important because there was just so much, so much media being produced but very little ability for people to actually access it or they could only buy like an album a week or a month or like go to see, go, go to see a movie or the, like Channel 4 just had to have their scheduled programming set by someone. So there was so much curation involved. And when the internet came about, people understandably thought, well, now we're not going to have our taste dictated by just some random guy who happened to be head of programming at Channel 4, right? Now we can, we can have access to all the movies to ever exist and we can, we can construct our own tastes, our own um, canon almost, right? And it's not going to be dictated by just some fucking big wig at Channel 4. Uh, but what ended up happening was the complete opposite where we ended up being... Everything ended up being algorithmized. So I don't even know if that's a word. But so we just started getting fed these recommendations already based on the things that we liked, which is just such a perverse way of doing it. Because cause the idea that Glenn's talking about is you being like a 14-year-old kid and you're like, yeah, I like Westerns and action movies or whatever. And then being shown like a Cronenberg film and it's like yeah. nothing you'd ever heard of before. Where if you are... Be, if you're going on an algorithm and, and not even like specifically an algorithm, but even something is uh, even, even something is more abstract as like, Oh, like when, when I said on my Twitter, when I was 14, I followed all the people who were into the same movies as me. And I had to still talk about those movies and no, they never talk about other movies. And you never find this, um, element of curation, but now there's like, a, a, and I know we're, this is like not about the topic of the 
episode anymore. But pe- people are gone completely the other way now, or there's at least, I don't know if this is a general trend, but there is definitely a renewed desire for curation in everything. And you see it everywhere where people are getting really into movie podcasts are all blown up. Yeah. People are now like, like NTS and all these online radio stations are like bigger than ever. And they're just exploded where like people are like turning away from the algorithm and being like, no, I actually love the idea of someone being like, Hey, this is good. Here's why it's good. And I think you might like it as well. And I want to share this with people are like linking things together thematically. And I think that is like a big cultural shift that is probably a positive one going away from the algorithm into curation. I agree. Is that enough evidence for you? I think (laughs) I agree with you that I think that it makes people insular. And I think that the methods of production, the means of production um, are, yeah, can have a big impact on what people are exposed to. But I don't necessarily agree that I think that people are now uh, are like, you know, consuming a less broad range of um, of media. I just don't think that's like across the board true. But it's like an interesting conversation to have or whatever. Um, and I think that like it's interesting to think about like, yeah, the, the means of production like we've just discussed. Um, so like, you, I, you, sorry, go on. Well, sorry, if you, if you want to say something on that, I was going to ask you, um, do you think you can separate the art from the artist? <laughs> <laughs> U- ultimately, like, I don't really know what, what, what your answers are. Um, like, like, let's bring it back because like, we've just talked about it for a long time and I feel like we've ignored Because the reason I think, because Glenn, I think you were getting something correct in saying that like, talk about all, like, I mean, I don't, we don't need to talk about it again, but how we've said it a million times in this podcast, how the left have, abandoned economics and politics in terms of cult- in favor of culture and which is a, a why we three of us i feel kind of think that even doing this episode is Trying. almost stupid and annoying because we're like, well, why 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 even bother but i think it's important to do this episode so that it's done we can exercise that demon and just fucking move on like just say to people that like think about art critically critique the art mm. and cr- the, in your critique of the art that might include yeah, or be influenced the artist, by yeah. the artist, right? Like I think, but they don't get that confused with critiquing the artist. Um, and I think that is basically my opinion on the whole thing. Like, mm. don't be moralistic yeah. about consumption because that just achieves absolutely nothing. Yeah. And if you get something from a piece of art or if you enjoy consuming it, just, just think about it critically so that you don't just sit there and be like, well, and do the opposite of what we're talking about and go like, well, I like Harry Potter. So that means that, um, what J.K. Rowling says about trans people is probably correct, like, which, is, which is like the but inverse of what we're talking about, saying like, I don't disagree with her, so I'm not going to consume the Harry Potter. Like, neither of those things is fucking the right thing to do. And I, it's yeah. obvious when you put it like that, but I think people constantly need to be reminded of that. Like, what sort of gimp would think that, first of all? I do think sometimes people assume assume stupidity on, on behalf of others. But anyway, um, yeah, like, I think I'm interested That's you. In... You think our listeners are big dum-dums. <laughs> They're not and that our dumb. listeners, on average, are... are the most erudite average people. Yeah. Big, smart Way smarter than you, Helen. Um, <laughs> don't be getting silly. But no, but I think that I'm interested by the word can. I was thinking about this earlier because people are always being like, there's like <laughs> everyone across the board in media is always like, you can't do X, Y, Z now. And I'm like, you absolutely can, babe. And it's more of a discussion of like, should you? But then that should gets into like what we talked about earlier. Like who's deciding if you should and shouldn't? Like there's such a leftist panopticon like on Twitter and, and around mm-hmm. this kind of issue specifically, I was thinking of this, it's the most, this is one of the biggest leftist panopticon issues. It's like 
Panopticon is the idea that like you're you, everyone feels they're being watched at all times and you internalize that and you start watching yourself and you start like mm-hmm. checking checking yourself and stuff um, and it's like it comes from the idea that like prison guards are watching you but now obviously because we're surveilled all the time and surveillance capitalism and um, on Twitter we're checking each other so we're all we're all actually the Panopticon together but it's bad mm-hmm. for our like sense of self and blah 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 but like yeah and I think that yeah, so it's the idea of like who you can do whatever you want. Like no one is going to punish you. Well, they might. You might get like cancelled, or you might get like you might not get a job at like fucking Galdem Zine or whatever in London. I'm sorry, I don't know why I just went on a post. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, might, you might not get a job at Casement's Leftover Podcast. Um, but um, yeah, but like no one's going to like punish you. Like that's not really how the world works. So yeah, I think it's a question of like what do I achieve by any of this? And yeah, I think mm. that like. Like, that's why I kind of led with like, well, for me, I think that like, if if I like, if I just am like, okay, I'm not going to listen to like Kanye West anymore. Even I actually yeah. like Kanye West that much. But like, if I wanted to listen to a Kanye West song, I just put it on. But obviously I think the man's a gimp. Like, um, mm. and I, I, if any, anyone who started defending him, I would just be like, lol and then have a chat about that defense of him and yeah i think that like we should be able to see like we i feel like we've already said it like yeah you should be able to see how the things that you're consuming are constructing your worldview that's actually a much more important discussion than anything else that's one of the hardest things to do is to Mm -hmm. see how is my worldview constructed and how is my reality constructed like i think that the 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 like we've talked about the post-structuralist idea of like the author is dead, but like the best post-structural idea is that language creates reality, which is that like the boundaries of your reality and what you think is possible are constricted entirely by like the language you have. And they're const- like that, the, the, the amount of words we have to name things limit how we think. Like mm. I'm really fascinated by this and I think about it all the time. We, we were talking about it just before the podcast, Glenn, because I was talking about Bell Hooks and her book All About Love, where she mm. talks about how like... Um, because we, and I always think this when people talk about love, I think this is so true. And like, from my experience that like, yeah, because we use the word love to talk about a whole range of, of, of um, relationships and experiences and emotions, and we never define it properly. It means that like her argument is that like, abu- it'll be like abusive parents still love you. And that conflates abuse and love. And she says, no, the two can't coexist. And that's just her making her own version of words. And mm. I, most arguments that people are ever having are really about words and what the word mm-hmm. means. And they just can't come to a conclusion together about what the word means but in doing that they flesh out what they believe about the world but anyway my whole point is that like our reality is constructed by literally the words that we have like there are so many limits and once you can try and think past them like the world becomes much more open to you and Mm. questions about like like the the kind of question we're having here becomes much more interesting and you don't have to be constricted by everything's black and white and you can or can't do this. It can be a conversation about like, well, what can, what benefit comes from here? And like, how will, how will I think if I consume it this way? And how will I think if I consume it that way, if I choose not to consume it? Or like, even when you asked me about earlier about like how I would feel if I, if I, if I caught you consuming an album that I didn't like, that was interesting for me to think about, like to actually think, what would my response be? Why is that good? Do I like that what does that mean for how I feel about other people and myself and friendship like yeah like those are much more interesting conversations than than just like can you separate the art from the artist um which yeah I guess is really broad and yeah so I think that like I I think that if we're just going to take that question with those words as they traditionally mean I do think you're probably right that the things that when an art is produced, the the context of its production is essential. And actually for me, when I consume art, I'm really interested in the context of its production more than anything else because I'm just like such a Marxist. Um, but it really... Wikipedia it really, whore. 
yeah <laughs> absolutely but like really impacts my enjoyment of um of the piece of art but that's not the same for everybody so again it's like comes down to this question between objectivity and subjectivity so like the objective answer to that like my answer to that would be like can you separate the art from the artist like I think that the artist and the context is always present in the art but then in my consumption of the art maybe it doesn't have to be present but it will always be for me mm-hmm. <laughs> I think but, like, so how, like yeah. even to go, but before before Glenn before you, before you give your answer like I think a good example of that like an inverse of like like when you don't want to separate the art from the artist, right? Is mm. so an artist you and I both like Helen Arthur Russell, where like the whole, I think his whole like story and the fact that he died and he didn't really get famous be- like un- un- until like twenty years after he died, and all all of his story about like running away from Iowa because he was gay and then. Mm. Like being in in the New York or the Chicago house scenes, but also making country music. Like all of that is like kind of what creates this legend of Arthur Russell. Yeah. Like makes the music sound better to your ears. Fully, uh, and it's so inseparable. I, like I do think, yeah. Like, like it would probably be hypocritical of us to be like, well, so it's the the artist is really important in that case. But when we're reading Harry Potter, we can somehow like not think about that. But um. Yeah, that's just about the context of production and the and uh, so so in critiquing the art itself rather than making a moralistic judgment based on like you shouldn't or you can't yeah, or exactly. anything like that. Like um, so it's completely different. I, Sorry. Yeah. I just have to say this like one last thing, sorry, and then I'll stop talking. But like, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's so interesting in terms of like how the how we culturally consume things affects the art so much. I thought about this when I was watching Bohemian Rhapsody, the Queen movie, because I used to like really like Queen. And then when I was watching Bohemian Rhapsody, I was like, none of their songs mean anything. Like they have no like meaning. Like they just wanted mm. to make big hits. And then I didn't like Queen. But then I was like, but the music is so meaningful because everyone is fucking like singing it together. And it was like such a cultural moment that everyone like people people came together for and the reason that they wrote the songs that way is because they like clearly like the 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 the, the, like patterns of the music like trigger something in people that makes them like feel like quite euphoric and want to sing and I was like that is important in and of itself like that has created something beautiful like in and of itself and that made me think that like yeah like the cultural the the cultural consumption and collective consumption of that music is really important and that made me like it again and it reminds me of like interesting marxist cultural theory of that me and glenn did an episode up before you joined us matt um about what's his name gita board and about how he talks about like um authentic coming together and then obviously you get into a whole discussion about authenticity because like all of the queen's music was done for profit blah 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 but i do think that there's something like really special and magical in like an authentic moment of coming together as people and appreciating something together and you're not even sure why but you just all really enjoy it like that to me is like really beautiful like that's like quite magical to me and special and i find that also marxist in that it's about like community and coming together um yeah and i think that that for me yeah is definitely like inseparable from the which piece song of work. do you think which song do you think embodies that more do you think it's um fat bottom girls or the one where they go <laughs> bicycle bicycle <laughs> i fucking hate queen but anyway, yeah. <laughs> i think it was, it's, it's, it's it's like mom music 
I feel like it's the type of stuff that you're like mom <laughs> no. or dad would have all while they're cleaning the house. It's um, Marxist, I just said. Um, like, I, to go like the opposite, like cerebral, like language constructs reality to the exact opposite space. Like I feel like in a, from a materialist perspective, like obviously it's very funny because like now we consume like how much we consume like products, like actual like like food products. Like it's all about narrative. Like how we're how the label and stuff like that is designed, trying to tell you a story about like the origins of the product or whatever. Like we're all kind of like we we can't we can't understand any food like out of context. Like unless it's like kind of like own brand like Soviet like just like pasta like just like there's like this like kind of like homogenous thing and even then it's like kind of like not like they'll always like try to I don't know like Fiji some sort of like quote unquote authenticity of the product or whatever. But like obviously. Um, when it comes to like backstories for musicians or like media, like I mean, Bronsky B, Pet Shop Boys, and stuff like that, it's very hard to disentangle them from like kind of like yeah. the late seventies, early eighties, kind of like gay scene in England. So specifically, um, they're so out of they're so like Spando Ballet and like Bronsky B to me are so touch right. Like they're from the same, they're from the opposite ends of the spectrum. Like they're so they're so like. They're so over time and over place um, and like they have that kind of context. But like, I feel like that's how you can you can understand. You can understand the, uh, you know, like a moment or a piece of art from the context without kind of getting bogged down in the morality of the artist or the producer of that. I feel like you can disentangle Mm. them in the same way, which allows you to enjoy them. I, I mean, again, from like a very materialist point of view. The outrage is the product. Like the 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 discourse is the product. Like that. Like you are not the boycott as a production, as a thing that people are engaging in, are swapping around and using as a kind of like social capital or as something to indicate something about them. They're still consuming it. They can't get it. Mm. Like not consuming it is is now like you can't passively not consume anymore. You have to actively not consume. Like the the act of non consumption is being consumed. Yeah. Like to sound Ponzi, yeah. right? But like it's like kind of like when you see like and it's selective. Like remember that like outrage is selective. You can't if somebody is being like I mean I hate to be these like fuckers like it sounds so like conservative to be just like oh well they're they're drinking lattes and they're on their phones but they hate capitalism. <laughs> but in the in the respect that like like we aren't nobody is outraged by the cobalt in their phones. Okay, like it's just like like we've decided that like of course we understand that of course that's bad, um, but. We're gliding towards something that says something more about us because it's the whole disentanglement or the, not the judgment or the kind of like the position, the actual opinion as a product that people are engaging with. Because that to them, that is something that they can wear. That is something they can consume because it says something about them to not consume this. So Mm. it's not... It's, I don't think it's a very I don't think it's critical yeah I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's selective and yeah. I think it's um it's very consumerist. I think that's a really good point it's a mm-hmm. consumerist uh position because to take. like yeah. I, I think the, what that made me think of is that like the reason because you're trying to think of what what's the reason that people get their 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 knickers in a twist like so much about culture where they're like oh my god like you're consuming Harry Potter or whatever don't, mm-hmm. don't you know about JK Rowling? like haven't you heard yeah but like but but as you say, like people don't think about that when they're using their iPhone, which uh, like makes yeah is such a like right wing Twitter talking point. But 
the reason that happens is because culture is like the one, apart from like if you're buying like bread from the baker himself, it's the one time in, in capitalism when the when the producer isn't obfuscated, right? And the and the and yeah. the, the the method of production isn't obfuscated from the consumer, so that fetishization mm. doesn't take place as much, or or where you can actually see where that's where where it's coming from. Like yeah. it's like invisible. If you, like, would you like eat your? Um, I don't know. What do you guys like to eat? Would you <laughs> would you would you eat like a, like a steak if you knew that the farmer who reared the cow was a racist do you know what i mean like to say yeah, like you never think so about true. that and there's like yeah. a fucking really good chance that he is <laughs> like, yeah. but you would never even think about that and which i mean i think also like it is worth saying that like even marx w- will differentiate between culture and other products but to be fair he was writing at a time before culture was fully like culture was almost this thing that was only for the bourgeoisie it was only for yeah. like the upper classes um uh, uh, Marx was the, racist, by the way. Mar- Marx was like almost certainly quite racist. Um, it, he was not like wasn't a poster good to child. His mistresses, huh? Couldn't budget. He wasn't good to his to his girlfriends and wives. Yeah, like so, like he was a misogynist. Like I mean, there's just it's very hard to kind of, I, and I feel like that's kind of like a real stupid try point to be just like. So therefore, you can't care about any misogynist. Sorry if you're a leftist. Sorry, Daddy Marx was bad too. I'm just like again, you can just like, you can you can understand that like, you know. Yeah, it's completely it's, missing the point because yeah. because like like because the point of what what Marx had offered to the world, just as an example, like not to just go on about Marx all the time, is. Is, is is his work and is and is is, is yeah. the, the thoughts behind that and you can make your own critical judgment if you think like is that th- does that work stand up if you take into account that he's like anti-semitic or whatever yeah mm-hmm. um and, like, and did like, that fall into and, his and framework think, of understanding I, yeah like i think it's pretty easy to be like oh no like i actually think that Karl Marx made some very good points and I obviously that doesn't mean that I I'm going to have every single opinion that he did and live my life in the exact same way and mm-hmm. have all the same values and principles that he as a man did. Like that's just yeah. so ridiculous. That's religion, and you would never. But, yeah, 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 yeah. But like we need this is where critical analysis is like so essential because you need to be able to understand yourself. Like when did this person who's who has beliefs that I think are wrong, what influence did they have on the work that I'm now consuming? Because like we had this argument before about like Freud, where I was saying that like Mm -hmm. Freud's because Freud was like fully like homophobic and then like his work was about gay people. And I'm like, okay, so I would discredit that work. But then Mm -hmm. Because it's inherent to the work. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Freud's work on the subconscious and dreams. I would credit, I would, I would read, like, do you know what I mean? So, because you just have to be able to like use your own critical faculties there. But I also think people like people aren't encouraged to be critical. I I do think that like, there is no point in, in us as the left really chastising people, even for, for consuming Disney and for wanting Disney, we should be able to, we should say to them, like, please critically analyze that and think about why you shouldn't. This is why you shouldn't. But there's no point in chastising people for engaging in popular culture and for not being critical because we're not encouraged to be. Um, I mean, well, I can think yeah. you can. I uh, sorry, I think that you can. Like, uh, I, I feel like you can. I like of Royal Housewives of. I like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Did you say Royal um, Housewives? <laughs> it's a new one. Like, I mean, I feel like, like, you know, like, I mean, I like, I, I like. I mean, you can in you can consume shitty media. It doesn't make you a shitty person. Um, uh, one of the things actually, Crystal from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills said um, very unthinkingly to. Uh, 
one of the other housewives that she should listen to um, Michael Jackson and it ended up with a really big row. So, um, so it's very on point that I'm bringing it up now. But I'm just saying that like it doesn't, what I'm saying to you is, what I'm saying to you, the listener, is that your media consumption Obviously, you wanted to say loads about you. I want people to know, look how clever I am. I've I've watched a Tarkovsky fucking movie or whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, people want people to kind of, like, take tidbits about themselves. And obviously, hating, like, a mass-produced, schlocky movie is a part of that on the yeah. inverse sense. But, like, there's nothing, like, it doesn't... Like, you can watch all of the Disney movies and enjoy them and all of, like, you know... You can watch all of like all, all all of the Criterion Collection and enjoy them, but like as soon as you think that your consumption of those is somehow kind of like like singled you out as some sort of expert in deciding what other people can't enjoy, like yeah. that's kind of like where you fall. Like I mean, I know I said like like I mean, I think people would be happier if they didn't consume only Disney or only yeah. Real Housewives. Yeah, yeah, of course, like yeah. But, um, but like you know, that's for them to say. And also, it's for you to say if you want to boycott something. If you don't want to play with something or engage with something, you don't have to. Like, it's when you start getting moralistic and thinking that somehow you have kind of, you've got your fingers on the pulse of, like, ethical and moral good. Like, that's when, like, we'll obviously have crosswords. But, like, I don't think that that has, I don't think that holds up in any sense, ethical, moral, or material. You were talking about there about how, like, um, people, including me and including all of us, like, like to think of um, the media we consume as saying all this, all these things about us, and it just reminded me of uh, some like independent bookshop had this thing up on on Twitter the other day, where they said that basically they made their their biggest sale. So as in they, 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 some guy came in and bought like hundreds of books, and they were like, "Oh my god, this is like incredible for us." It's like this independent bookshop, um, and he it was Bezos like a. A week later, after after the holidays were over, this guy like tried to return all the books, <gasps> and it turned out that he he had just bought them for his family coming over to and people coming over over the holidays to like stack it to stack them up on his shelves and to make himself look really smart. Oh, oh my! Look at all the books. God, I love that. But then this bookshop, this the the bookshop was like, like we don't have the cash flow to. Refund yeah. him. You know? <laughs> like, Can you get refunds on books? Li- I didn't know that was a thing. That's so lame. Like, imagine being just like, I hated the book. I want my money back. Go away. Yeah, you can't. I've never heard of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Maybe they made it up for Twitter clout. Maybe it never happened. Mm-mm-mm-mm. No, maybe this guy's just a knob. <laughs> like, and he was like, I'd yeah, like a refund. Yeah. You're like, uh, you can't. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> he's never bought a book before, so he doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, also, he'd failed the spine test so easily. Unless there were used books. You know, like, oh, you could yeah. tell, like, it was like, oh, that clearly none of the books on your shelf have been read whatsoever. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, they're yeah, all yeah. brand new. Uh, you haven't been reading, like, Judith Butler's Gender Troubles, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's also such an idiotic thing to do, like, because you're inviting, like, a question that you will not be able to answer. I know, yeah. Like, yeah. I remember uh, the this is such, like, teenage bullshit, but I remember when we were, like, 13, 14, there was this... Well, when I was like that age, there was this girl who would hang around my sister and her friends. And um, my sister was like a bit of a rocker back then and hung out with all the all the rocker boys. And this girl was like, you know, a bit of a pick me, this little one. And she'd wear like Metallica t-shirts or whatever. And, or sorry, 
this is how the boys saw her. I, I don't oh, want to judge her. No, I, I, never, course, yeah. I never even met her. But, um, and yeah, they would just be like, oh, well, like, what's your favorite like Metallica song? And they would just make fun of her so much because like they would start naming ones. Like, would you like this one? And then she'd be like, yeah, yeah, I love that one. I love that one. And like, <laughs> not tell her that they just like completely fucking made it up. And that's what I would do to that guy. Speaking of books, actually, um, there's this really Can I just break in there for one second? Because the same thing happened to me. Me and my friend were at a party, an after party, right? And they were just like, they were just like, what, what, what music do you want to listen to? <laughs> they had different albums. <laughs> and they were all, the story. they were all, so they were all like, uh, like all kind of like, again, like kind of like, kind of like teenage rock, like Metallica, no Nirvana and the other, but kind of like Metallica. And then they had Catatonia and they were just like Catatonia. And then me and Helen were just like, or sorry, it wasn't me and Helen, it was me and Claire. We turned to each other and we were just like, love Catatonia. You guys like Catatonia? And they were just like, yeah. And we thought they were going to be playing like Catatonia, like Road Rage. Do you know, like Catatonia? Never heard of him. Hold on. It's this song. It's a girl. Oh my God! Can you see? Can you hear that? That's a man, Glenn. No, it's a safety with increased speed. Have you never heard the song? No, never. Is that someone singing in the shower? Yeah. Okay, okay, we'll cut all, out all of that. Okay, Matt, what were you going to no, say no, then? Cut, 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 cut. No, go on with the story. <laughs> it was, Catatonia was a, a kind of like a, like a, a, a like a, a girl, a pop singer, girl pop singer from the 90s. And they were okay. playing like, they, we thought that they were playing like, they were playing, they liked a girl from the 90s, but they didn't. They liked, they liked a metal, they liked Catatonia, the rock oh, band. Oh, like a metal band. Yeah, well, oh, they were I... a different band. I used to wear metal t-shirts all the time because my friend Dave was a metalhead and he gave me all his old t-shirts and I love the look of metal t-shirts and I was just like, we live in a postmodern world, I'm going to wear this t-shirt and I'll just tell them that I don't listen to metal. <laughs> That's what you were saying. Um, and <laughs> it is, it is. Like, we learned about postmodernism in college and I was like, oh, off I pop this. Oh, use this. Yeah. Um, Jordan Peterson does the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, and then the but the bad thing is that Dave was like oh, a no, really big Irish metalhead, like or like a really big fan of Irish metal. So he had all of these like quite niche Irish metal band T-shirts that I was wearing, and I couldn't even read the names on them because you know there's <laughs> like that that metal font that looks like you know like a leather yeah, party. Yeah, yeah. Band. And then uh, when one of my friends went to get a tattoo, when I went with her, and I went in and I was wearing one of the T-shirts, and the, this like tattooed like bikery metal tattoo artist guy was like, oh, that's. Blazing Saddles or whatever the fuck the name of the band was and I was like oh yeah I don't know I've no idea I've never listened to them I don't know who they are like my friend just gave me this t-shirt ha ha I don't even know and he was like yeah yeah well, I used to play for them <laughs> <laughs> it's such a small scene yeah, exactly yeah. like that happened to me with um, my, my friend's brother was in some band and you know like when that happens like you, you can't really tell if, if his band is just like the shittest band to ever exist mm. or if actually they're like quite big in the scene mm. uh, but they just had like spare hoodies so I was just oh, I used to always just wear this hoodie around college um, with exactly the same the fucking font I couldn't fucking read it I didn't know mm. what I said and I walked into like an exam in college and like one of the invigilators and I was like you know real stressed going down to the exam like going down to my table and he was like 
hey, yeah, like, sick, I love them. And I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I didn't even realize I was wearing the jumper. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, yeah, I was going to recommend a book, um, if that's allowed. A Bible. I read this book last year. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard it. It's called uh, How to Read Donald Duck. Because we were talking about no, Disney and all, but this it. is like... So this book that was written by these two Chilean Marxists, like, in the early 70s, during the... Ayanda years. Uh, oh, did they make a movie about this? I don't think so. Okay, but it was—I think it was only translated into English, or it was only like released in the West like a couple of years ago. Um, but it's like it's so extra. Like it's like way it should have been like a four-page essay or whatever, and it's like like a two-hundred-page book. But it's incredible, and they just go through. Um, how Donald Duck is literally like American imperialist propaganda and how you should stop reading it. Um, and just like the comic strip, that's it. Wow. And yeah, it's a fantastic read, even though if it's a bit extra, I love it. Well, there you go, listeners. Nice you have, hopefully you are now politically correct in terms of like your, your, your position is now. Yep. Um, as correct as it's going to get. I don't know. We've like, I, mean, I don't even you. know if I'm actually, like, I mean, I think if I had to sum up my position on it, I'd be just like, if it, it, like, don't put yourself into a place where you feel like you're vulnerable. I think there's sometimes, I think that there's sometimes instances where that can actually be generally quite positive on the whole. You don't have to engage with stuff that you don't want to. Mm. But I think that like material, you should, you should probably be looking at something materially including the outrage itself yeah. before you actually get into it. And moralizing and being self-righteous is something that the left has been doing for the last 50 years. Hasn't fucking worked. Yeah. And when people feel like they're being shouted at, they go to somebody fucking else. And unfortunately, politics is a supermarket. They'll go to like the right wing shop down this down the down the fucking road if they feel like it's an easier buy. Um mm. that's how I feel. That's why we're shouting at you instead. Yeah. Um, I really hope we press record on this one because we didn't put Craig in. Oh, oh fuck! Oh my god! I'm re- I'm recording. I'm recording. I'm Are you recording, Matt? Yeah, yeah. It's oh we've never god. even used Craig. I don't think it's like, uh, Mama. Yeah, it's just good Daddy. to have a backup. Craig is our unpaid intern who yeah. we love you. Um, Craig. Performs sexual favors for us all as well. Yeah. Great. That's why we're always so happy in these <laughs> yeah. recordings. We gave him the night off tonight. That's why you're pissed off. He, okay. he went home crying the last time and we said, take next week up. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, bye. Yeah, thank you. Wait, is that it? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, um, we, have to, we have to... We do have to stop at some again. point, that's true. But obviously, yeah, like this, this episode and the last one like couldn't be more dimensionally different. Mm. This episode was brought to you by Disney Avengers. Let's get busy. <laughs> the second, <laughs> the second one. I do wonder, like, yeah, is there some listeners who like will listen to the topics? Would like that sounds like a good intellectual discussion, like this one, you know, where we sound mm. very, very smart. Mm-hmm. Um, so smart. Or are there some listeners who only listen to the episodes that are called something like piss? Yeah, um, <laughs> which is a better listen. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I want to hang out with the piss uh, head. We need to work on our branding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh. No, absolutely. We're like Irish Socialist Republican podcast. People are like, where? Where's the Socialist? Republican? <laughs> we know that they're experts on piss. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm we should not. wrap up. 
Okay, okay listeners, yeah. thank you for sticking with us through our um, intellectual ramblings. And we'll see you next time for who knows what. Eh? Bye. Bye. That could be an understatement Oh, now I hope that I have paid the cost To let a day go on by now Call on you, cause I'm so busy, so busy Thinking back, kissing you And now I wanna do that without entertaining Another thought out on the ocean surf I'll have to pull myself together Now it's harder I'm not on my turf It's me and me and those big old waves rolling Cause I'm so busy, so busy thinking about kissing you now I wanna do that without entertaining another thought It's so unfinished Our love affair A voice in me is telling me to run away I hope your feelings isn't diminished I hope you need someone in your life Someone like me Cause I'm so busy, so busy Thinking about kissing you And now I wanna do that Without entertaining another thought who was in that uh hold on who's the guy who was uh who was raping all the kids jimmy saffle no jeffrey epstein which one um no he's an actor kevin spacey yeah i'll say kevin spacey hold on You'll just go with him. He's not the person you were thinking of. <laughs> you, you had no one in mind. You're like, let's spitball. Mind map. 